Hello, I'm Dave and I'm the person who puts all of this stuff together. And welcome to a special Getting Better Acquainted Extra. And it is extra, it's quite a long episode today, where I share with you a kind of talk, a kind of workshop, a kind of conversation, very one-sided conversation that I had at the London Podcast Festival last weekend. And for new listeners, you should be aware that this isn't the normal format of Getting Better Acquainted. Normally, it's a conversation between me and another person. But in the GBA Extra episodes, I like to share different kinds of audio with my listeners and that's what you're listening to today. Also to take a little bit of my own advice that I give during the lecture, the sound quality when we get to the questions and answers section which is quite late in this episode will be a little bit dicey at times. I had to turn up the audio so you could hear people from the back of the room but turning up the audio also means turning up kind of the bad parts of the audio, the electronic sounds of people's phone interference and all of those sorts of things Uh, but when those moments happen they don't happen for very long and I think it's worth it in the big scheme of things I need to get better please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Hello everybody, welcome to my Passion Projects session at the London Podcast Festival. Um, Have any of you been to a few of these maker sessions or is this your first one? You've got one person saying they've been to a few. There's a lot of them going on, uh, different people from the world of podcasting. uh, So do do check out some of the other ones if you have uh, a chance. Okay, Uh, so yes, my name's Dave Pickering. I make a number of podcasts. Uh, Those are the podcasts or podcast-related things that I'm currently doing, Um, but we'll get into that in more detail, I guess, in the next slide. Um, But those are what I do, Getting Better Acquainted, The Family Tree, Spark True Stories, Mansplaining Masculinity and Stand-Up Tragedy are my current passion projects. Um, Yes, right, so... And also, nice and awkwardly, I'm going to be turning my back on you every time I change a slide. So uh, I'm I'm an awkward person. That's my thing. I'm awkward in public. Uh, I hope you're all comfortable with that. I like it when people are awkward in public because it makes me feel less alone. You know, when somebody walks into a post or something in the street, I kind of feel uh, empathy with those people. I'm like, yes, we are are all clumsy together uh, and useless together. Right. So to tell you a bit more about who I am and also why I make the projects I do, where the passions have come from and how they have uh how they functioned in my everyday life because that's one of the things that I want to sort of say to everybody today like when you follow your passions it's not always as glamorous as you might hope you don't the things don't always work out the way that you might think for example um when I was asked to do a a make a session at this podcast uh festival I was very pleased because I had a particular passionate thing I wanted to talk about but I wasn't allowed to talk about that so I'm talking about passion projects which was something that initially I wasn't very passionate about as a topic (laughs) Uh, to talk to you but then I thought about it more and I thought about how uh, 
how I could do it, and I am quite passionate about this talk now, uh, but it took me a little bit of time to get there. Um, so, and also, when, while, while I'm doing this, uh, this, this kind of presentation bit, or when we're doing the, the conversation part later on, um, I want you all to be thinking in your heads like a running tally of pros and cons, right? Because like, people always talk about the pros. People always talk about what you can get from following your passions, but they don't talk about how if it doesn't work out, how that's going to feel for you uh, and that sort of thing and how difficult it is to follow your passions. So those are the kinds of things I want people to be thinking about. Okay, so a tangential tour through my career, in inverted commas. Um, so, uh, yeah, the like a couple of months ago, uh, I received a little email that told me that the one person who donates t regularly every month to my podcast, five pounds, uh, that he ha had to, to stop donating to me now because he had too many other podcasts and he had other things to give his money to, which uh, I think he's very welcome to, to, to do that. I don't expect people to support me. Um, but I've been doing podcasts since 2008. Uh, and I've been doing uh, Getting Better Acquainted, uh, which was the podcast he was cancelling his donation for. I've been doing that since 2011. Uh, it is, uh, is, I guess, cult. Uh, it is probably kind of critically acclaimed. Certainly, it's, uh, it won a, a British podcasting award. It's been recommended by The Guardian, The Financial Times, Time Out. Uh, and yet... Uh, I was only getting £5 a month for it, and now I'm not even getting that. Uh, so, so that's... that's uh, and also, yeah, it's, even been, it's been even featured on Radio 5 Live and on Radio 4 as well. So I've, I've hit the mainstream, but, but, but it only gave me £5 and now nothing. So, yeah, and, and, and talking about Radio 4, like, when uh, a, a feature, a, 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 a clip from Getting Better Acquainted was featured on Radio 4, uh, on, uh, on the show that they did about podcasts a few years ago, uh, I was working at the time doing, because I have a portfolio freelance career, which means I get paid uh, nothing by lots of different <laughs> kinds of people. Um, but but I but I I was doing a, a, a theatre project, a, a kind of a Victorian candlelit tour that I was doing with volunteers, members of the public, and so I kind of came in that day with my kit into the room, and uh, one of the cast members, a uh, kind of middle-aged woman, I was like, I heard you on the radio this morning, and I suddenly realised that that's a, an interesting thing to experience because the clip from my show that they used was a clip about me, well, with me talking to my my. My dad, who was in his, his late 80s at the time, uh, talking to him about uh, his sex life um, and, you know, have all sorts of uh, stuff that I didn't necessarily expect to then come into my volunteer work where I'm working with different members of the community and have that kind of piece of information uh, there uh, and present. It's fine. I don't mind. Uh, I make stuff for the public but it's this is the things that can kind of happen when you follow these strange little paths that you kind of end up having these experiences that you never would have expected so yeah getting better acquainted won uh, a british podcast awards in 2017 now when i say won i mean came third it was a bronze award um but it was you know it's the kind of thing where you can say you won an award and it sounds good um 
And it was nominated for a Radio Production Award back in 2012. Uh, when I went to those Radio Production Awards, that was a, a weird night for me because I went on my own. Uh, so I was kind of like in this room full of people who, you know, were in the radio industry. They had like existing relationships. They kind of, some of them were a bit famous. I mean, it, it wasn't the Sony Awards. It was the Production Awards. So it wasn't that famous, the level of people there. Um, and I felt like alienated the whole night. I felt like, how have I, where am I, why? Why am I here? What? How do I even do this? Like, how do I even talk to the people around me? And I kind of felt like at the time it was a, a an unsuccessful experience. But at the at that uh, at the radio production awards, um, I was on the same table as the people from Resonance FM, and they also didn't win. Um, and so we bonded afterwards about how if you're independent and you're doing interesting things, you don't win, um, and how you know the P- BBC of course win lots. Um, and that led to me working with Resonance and having my show on on resonance fm and in fact to future shows that i you know when i work with clients for freelance i've been able to move some of those clients onto uh, resonance fm so that's another thing when you follow your passions you might feel like you're failing but actually sometimes in the moments when you feel like you're failing or when an opportunity comes um which you don't really realize at the time like i literally had a a miserable night i want to learn to like go to those things and have a a better night because i'm aware that things might actually work out nicely after the night is over so the first time i was up for an award was in 2009 that was for a sony radio award um at the time uh, I didn't really know what podcasts were. I was just making a show for somebody else. A friend of mine said, can you write a drama series? I wrote that drama series for him and it was nominated for a Sony Radio Award. Um, when we went went there, you know, uh, we were up against Answer Me This. That was the first time I'd ever heard of Answer Me This. Of course, everyone in this room has heard of Answer Me This. So I didn't, but but again, uh, neither neither Answer Me This or, 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 or Us won. Uh, and so that actually, again, resulted in bonding and friendships and, and all of the kind of useful things that come from being friends with Helen Zaltzman. Um, so, so again, that was another surprise. But the, the thing about that awards uh, ceremony was, like, it's so expensive to go to awards ceremonies. Like, people don't tell you that. Like, you have to pay money to, like, submit your stuff to the awards in the first place. And then you have to pay, if you are lucky enough to be nominated, you then have to pay to go to the awards. And it was in a fancy place in central London. There was a, like a very expensive hotel. Uh, there was like lots of people drinking champagne because they could afford to. And then there was us not doing that. Um, and uh, yeah, like the next. So that was. And, and so I was there in fancy everyday kind of in fancy central London. There was, you know, proper famous people of that one. So there was like Frank's, you know, you'd bump into Frank Skinner on the stairs or whatever, or like, I remember very distinctly uh, Kate Adie talking to Rolf Harris, which is weird now uh, because of Rolf Harris. Um, but it was also weird then because those two celebrities aren't really in the kind of area that you expect to be chatting uh, with each other. Um, so I had this kind of kind of imposter syndrome, but at least it was glamorous experience. But then the next day I woke up uh, went to my day job with a hangover. My day job was singing songs and telling stories to the under fives. So the next day, after that glamorous experience, I was jumping around uh, saying, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, uh, with a load of parents also looking at me, thinking, what's this guy doing? Um, and feeling, you know, very worse for wear. Um, so that's what happens when you follow your passions. You know, those, those kinds of contrasts, I think, are the things that I've experienced when I've done that. Um, 
as I said, we, oh, you know, like that show that I did the first uh, for, for the for the Sony Radio Awards was a, a drama series called Numbers. Um, and as I, as I also said, I didn't know what a podcast was. After I went there, I did start listening to podcasts. I started listening to them obsessively. I developed a passion for the medium of podcasts rather than just for making uh, artistic things. Um, and so... Uh, I listened to loads and loads of podcasts. I was inspired, I guess, by Answer Me This, also by the early, hard to listen to now, uh, Richard Herring stuff, um, which is kind of like an endurance t- uh, test, but there was great little moments in it. So I decided that I would follow this passion, and I arranged to um, meet up with my two friends from school, from secondary school, in a room in Manchester, and record for four days straight us talking about different subjects, and then the idea was that then to edit that into a weekly show for a year. All of that happened, but I'll tell you this. It was a terrible podcast. I'm absolutely glad it's not on the internet anymore. Uh, I recently took it fully down, and I'm very pleased that there there is no longer my bad opinions from ages and ages ago out there in the world. Um, Also, I discovered some things about myself. Like, if if I'm hanging out with my two school friends, I regress to how I was when I was at school, which is not fun. I was bullied at school, so I I kind of have a lot of angst. Um, So that... That wasn't pleasant to listen to then for a whole year and edit and try and make it interesting for other people, especially because my other two people who were on that show weren't interested in the show. They didn't even care about what podcast was. They weren't interested in, in doing any of the editing, but they did have opinions about what should be edit, like included in the edit. So it's the worst, the worst possible world. Um, so... Yeah, like, so with that, that was a terrible, terrible podcast. But because I followed that passion and made that terrible podcast and followed it through and, like, lived with the the aftermath of that passion, which wasn't passionate. I wasn't passionate when I was editing and slogging through that year of my life where I had to listen to myself being a dick for a long period of time. Um, But that process of doing that made me think about what I would like a podcast to be like. And it was where I also thought, what would I like to be like? Would I like to learn how to listen better to other people? Because I did a lot of talking, but not much listening in those four days. Um, And what was I like when I was with different people, when I wasn't with my my school friends? Um, So... um, that's where Getting Better Acquainted, this conversation podcast that I've been doing since 2011, that's where that came from. It came from how can I be a different person on mic? How can I learn things from people rather than this kind of endurance test that I created that didn't really uh, end up with anything exciting? Um, uh, so I was listening to podcasts more and more. And one of the podcasts I listened to was Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, uh, which has been a big influence on what I do. And uh, on that podcast, the comedian Eddie Peppertone had a bit that he was doing about uh, the idea of a a stand-up tragedy club rather than a stand-up comedy club. And whereas he thought that was a ridiculous, hilarious idea, I thought that was a great idea. I was like, that needs to exist. I want to go to something called stand-up tragedy. I want to see what happens at night uh, where people are standing up and doing sad things. Um, And they don't exist. That that night didn't exist. Uh, So I had to make it happen. And that's that's one of the things I would say about passion projects. If you have an idea where you're like, I really want to see that show or hear that show or, or I you know, want this thing to exist and it doesn't exist in the world, that's when you're kind of in this bind of like, oh, well, it's, it, 
it falls to me to be the one to do that. It's like in a meeting when, you know, you have an idea, then you have to do that idea. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's the problem. It's easy to have ideas. Uh, it's unbelievably easy. When people say to creative people, where do you get your ideas? From the world, from, you know, your subconscious, they're all around you. But it's doing things with the ideas and making them happen that's the struggle. And so I, I started making uh, a show called Stand Up Tragedy that was a live show. Um, it was also uh, a podcast as well because I was already doing podcasting. So, I, you know, of course, I recorded it and put it out like that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, again, like when you follow your passions, you, you, you try and get press. When I did the first run of Stand Up Tragedy, uh, I got featured in the independent newspaper, which was amazing. Uh, but it happened uh, two months after the end of the run. So nobody came to the show as a result of that featuring, uh, even though I did the interview uh, in the middle of the time that I was doing st- Standard treasure. I mean, this is the thing. Like, when you're searching for these breaks, expect them to not go the way that you that you expect. Like, every time I've had press is generally not not been a satisfactory experience for whatever reason. Whether it's they say things I don't agree with about my work, or they say things that I don't agree with that they think I said. Uh, whatever it is. I mean, I, I, I say plenty of things I don't agree with on my own. I don't need I don't need uh, journalists adding to that really. Um, but as a result of doing stand-up tragedy you know these years of doing it and perfecting that show and it did like any show it'll start not as good as it'll end right you you'll you'll develop your passion over time like it doesn't it doesn't come fully formed uh, a great a great product doesn't come fully formed you have to work on it and in the world of podcasting we are often working on it in public uh, which is a, a difficult thing to negotiate and it does mean that you know all of your friends will listen to your first episode and then they'll never listen to any again whereas strangers will then come to you and actually get interested in what you're doing um, that has been my experience anyway I don't, I'm not trying to universalise um, but yeah doing stand-up tragedy resented, resulted in, in very strange experiences like at the end of the Edinburgh Festival when we had one of our worst gigs ever everyone pulled out it was a complete nightmare but in the audience was Stuart Lee and uh, then I found myself in this weird position of literally bringing on Stuart Lee without him really fully expecting to come on to close my Edinburgh experience. And then there was five minutes left at the end, so I went on after to sing a song. So I kind of headlined uh, a gig where Stuart Lee played. Uh, and at least that's how it is on my CV. And that's the thing. You know, when you do get these kind of opportunities, you need to, like, make them sound as good as possible. You know, I'm, I'm all for being as open and honest about these things as, like, to you guys, but don't treat corporations with that kind of attitude, you know? Like, to massage the things. That's how you get to, to, to develop your passions, to get the opportunities, by sort of massaging your CV. Uh, I am very pro that, and I would recommend everybody in this room does that uh, as much as possible. And I also, when I was doing Stand Up Tragedy, I... Um, like learn some sort of things about what happens when you try and do your passions with other people so when you're trying to do stuff like me low budget you end up working with volunteers friends who are excited by what you're doing but working with volunteers has strengths and it has weaknesses you'll have friends so they'll actually care about you in a way that sometimes when you have colleagues they don't but also they won't do things if other things come up they have their own lives. So unless you're paying somebody or they are equally as passionate about the project that you're doing as you, uh, collaborating with people can often cause as many problems as, 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 as solutions. And in fact, what I uh, found with Stand Up Tragedy is that I had loads of lovely volunteers, but I ended up doing most of their work. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so be aware of that, you know, be aware of that going into collaborations and then you can steer them to work best for you and to work best for the volunteers and get what, what you know get the best from those volunteers like over time I learned what their skills were I used them in those kind of ways and I used them in ways that didn't interrupt their uh, lives as much as possible and I, I, that's what managing is I guess and if you are uh, creating a passion project with other people uh, and you are in charge of that project then you are in some respects a manager and you do need to think about morale and how people feel and what their lives are like you have to take that labor on you because otherwise your project won't be as good as you want it to be i've also done a lot of work with uh, spark london which started i started uh, doing uh, true storytelling with spark uh, around about the same time as i started doing getting better acquainted um, and i discovered with that when i was asked to go and do a story there that was when i experienced uh, what happens when you find follow someone else's passion like my friend was passionate about this night he was passionate about me doing the night but by doing it by going and 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 hearing his passion and going right I'll see what that's about I developed my own new passion because I fell in love with true storytelling and so that's another thing I would say if you're looking for passions and I, I don't know if you are or if you've already got passions whatever it is but if you are looking for passions then be open to other people's passion Hear what other people are excited about and follow that and see what that's like. See if you're excited by that. I mean, with podcasting, that, that, that goes for listening to as many podcasts as you can, listening to the ones that your friends are excited about, that you're you know, sharing your passion for podcasts so that other people can find their passions through podcasting. Um, and as a result of doing uh, Spark, I ended up uh, doing a, a collaboration with the American true storytelling podcast, Risk, um, which is available online, uh, Risk Live at London. And that was a very strange experience because then I was talking about things I felt were risky. So I was telling stories that would make me blush. Not now. I've, I've, I've told the story a few times. It makes me uh, blush less. But uh, I, I will leave it to you to hear the blush anyway, just to, to spare your, your own blushes. Um, um, but but doing risk meant that I literally like was meeting a podcast hero of mine, Kevin Allison, who makes that show. And I and I would never have have ended up in that situation if I had not said yes to my friend saying come along to this night and see what see see if you like it. And also by doing stand up tragedy and by doing spark, I have uh, become comfortable being a publicly awkward person, as I was mentioning to you at the beginning. Like I've found that like people respond to who you are. Right. Like character is as important to true storytelling as plot. Like Everyone thinks they have to have a good story, but it isn't about having a good story. It's about getting on stage and showing people who you are and who I am is awkward. It's, it's nervy, it's anxious, uh, sometimes a bit dramatic and sometimes a bit poetic, I guess, as well, um, but mostly uh, awkward. And what I discovered was, yeah, awkward, if that's who I am go with it. So if you're hosting a show, if you're thinking about how do I find a way of being on stage, don't ask yourself what you should be like. Ask yourself what you are like and find out what you are, what your strengths are, whether it's, well, you know, it can be anything. It might be you're very mathematical. It might be you're very, you know, uh, like precise, you know, things that I don't really identify with at all. But that might be something that you are and that if you do that and be that as much as possible uh, on mic, people will respond to that. Um, 
And the other thing I learned from doing true storytelling uh, as well, which fits in with that, is that if you want to uh, reach universals, right, if you want to say things that appeal to as many people as possible, that connect and resonate with as many people as possible, then the way to do that is to be as specific as possible, to not be universal, to talk about your exact specific idiosyncrasies, the things that make you different, the things that make your life's experience different. And actually, then that will become universal. Because I can tell a story and a woman of colour can tell a story uh, at at Spark True Storytelling and we will both find that parts of our stories will resonate with each other even though our lives are completely different. And part of the reason for that is that we all understand what it is to be sad, what it is to be happy, what it is to be scared. And the way that you communicate those things is by being as specific as possible about your experience. And that's how you communicate to... Because I don't really think the universals exist, but you can be as universal as possible by being as specific as possible. So from doing true storytelling and stand-up tragedy and stuff like that and taking them to the Edinburgh Festival, I ended up doing this thing called Mansplaining Masculinity, which is about looking at masculinity and interrogating what patriarchy does to men and what men do to people as a result of patriarchy. We can have a discussion about whether patriarchy exists another time, uh, so keep that till after the session. Um, but um, doing that led to me doing a Radio 4 forethought piece, um, which, incidentally, that's, that cost... That, that was um, doing a, an episode of Radio 4 uh, Forethought will pay you £300, which is much better pay than The Guardian will give you for a comment. It's free piece, uh, which costs, well, they'll give you 80 quid, right? So, you know, be, be aware that, that when we're thinking about hitting these big, like, mainstream things, we're thinking, like, that's where the money's going to come in, that's where it's all going to work out. No. <laughs> Sorry, it isn't like that. Like, you get, you know, £300 is a, is a great thing to get for an evening's work and a bit of preparation in advance but it is not going to pay your rent you know you need a regular gig you need a regular regular income and that is hard to find if you're following your passions um so, and, and it's interesting how opportunities do come up as well. I do this thing on Twitter where I, 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 I love Follow Friday. I don't know if every, anyone remembers what that was. Uh, people are confused because I still do it all these years and nobody else does it. But it's hashtag FF and it means you're recommending people to follow. And I do, do this obsessively. I trawl through my whole week's tweets and work out all the people I've loved and, like, and say different things about why people should follow them. And, you know, that's... Completely unpaid labour, and it is labour. It takes hours, and I start like six thirty on a Friday morning, and I like going like scrolling, like before I've even had coffee, um, and you know it's hours of work. Um, but it was only through doing that 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 meant that you know basically. Uh, one of the things that doing that has meant is that I'm a kind of conduit, like much bigger people follow me on Twitter than I than, than represents my followers. So I can kind of communicate to big people with big followings. And that means that I can use those people, or use is a mean uh, way of saying it, but like they, we can have a mutual support where they will help me to like publicise my things. Um, so that's helped very much in terms of mansplaining masculinity. I did a, a survey of a thousand men's thoughts on, on patriarchy.
hierarchy and masculinity, I wouldn't have managed to get a thousand people without being followed by people who had big followings because I don't have that kind of clout. Um, but also another thing that resulted from that free, unnecessary, obsessive, passionate labour that I do every week was that Unbound, who are a, a publishing company slash crowdfunding company, they contacted me specifically to make Mansplaining Masculinity into a book because of the fact that I was recommending their authors online. So that's how they found out about me. So if I hadn't have been following my pointless passion, because it, it is pointless, it's like, a, it, you know, there's no money for it. You get very few retweets. In fact, often I get less followers as a result because people are like, whoa, he like spends an hour recommending people endlessly. Uh, I want better tweets than that. So I lose people every week. I mean, I gain people too, but I lose people. Um, but from that came this you know, fantastic opportunity. Although, again, fantastic opportunity should be maybe in inverted commas. Because as I said, crowdfunding as well as a publishing company. So that's more unpaid work uh, and endless kind of shipping uh, away, trying to get your friends who've already supported you at other times in your life to support you again is hard. They don't want to do that. The friends are a, a resource that runs out. I think you should all be aware of that when thinking about passion projects. If you have a passion project, wait till till you involve your friends. Like, decide when is the time to go to everybody you know and ask them to help you. If I hadn't have asked them to to listen to my bad stuff years and years ago, they might be supporting my book now. Um, I am publishing a book through Unbound. Unbound are a publishing company, which means that they don't publish things that they don't think are good and that they edit. The thing that makes them different from other publishing companies is they're half publishing company and half crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback, or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. Unbound approached me in December to see if I wanted to adapt my show What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity into a book and I said yes please I definitely would like to do that and so that is what I'm doing. If you go to the Unbound website and there'll be a link to this in the show notes you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book. The way that this book is going to get made is by people like you pre-ordering it and pledging to it and people like you telling other people about it, sharing it on social media, recommending it to other people, those kinds of things. You can find out what the book is fully about by reading about it on the page. There's a video of me in a purple dress and fedora with my childhood toy dolphin telling you about what the book is about. But basically, Mansplaining Masculinity is about looking into myself and looking out at culture and thinking about how masculinity is constructed and created and how systematic elements contribute both to the ways that men are hurt by society, but also the ways that men hurt other people in society. It is not a book that says that men are the problem, but it is a book that will say that we can be part of the solution and if you want to get an idea of what it's like before you pledge to it you can listen to a podcast of the show that it's adapted from on the website mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk 
radio4.co.uk and also there was an episode of BBC Radio 4's Forethought called Liberating Men which was a reflection on an extension of the show. So listen to those shows, see if you like what you hear and if you do then please do support and pledge to make mansplaining masculinity happen. From doing all of that, I found myself to be boxed into a true storytelling kind of authenticity aesthetic. That's what I'm kind of known for. Um, But I hate being put in boxes. And I didn't start off doing that. I started, as I said before, with a drama series. So that's when I created The Family Tree, which is my current most passionate thing that I do. The The Family Tree is a magical realist podcast drama uh, about family identity belief and belonging I can't it's hard to sell because to, to, to tell you what it's about is to spoil it right so it's actually like it because I'm so passionate about it I find it hard to spread the word about it because I don't want people to not enjoy the experience of listening to it but it's it's not just those things it's in the style of a, a conversation podcast it's a spin-off from my actual non-fiction uh, podcast thing so I play myself in it a fictional version of myself and the whole thing is kind of improvised and all of the performers are also writers and creators so they co-create the work that we're doing and I, I co-produced that with my my real life partner as well as my podcast production po- uh, partner and that's a, a good way of, of 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 saving money is to work with the person that you uh, share a bed with you don't have to go very far for production meetings that's great um, but it also you know to, to integrate your passions so uh, firmly is a, a risky move as well you need to be aware like working with friends working with the person you love the most in the world uh, that will test those friendships it will test those relationships it will mean that you'll have arguments in ways that you never thought you could with people that you never thought you would argue with um, but it will also potentially lead to amazing things like you can have ideas while you're brushing your teeth and like you know uh, but again that is also a danger because it means that you're never turning off right you're never turning off you can always talk to somebody else about your passion Uh, so these are the sorts of things that I recommend uh, thinking about when like thinking about how to to go into your passions Uh, and things that came out of uh, doing uh, getting uh, the family tree for a start uh, the family tree couldn't have happened without any of those other passion projects all the performers I met through stand-up tragedy or through doing getting better acquainted so passions lead to other passions and the things that you do with one project will be the things that will then allow you to create your next projects and that will allow your next projects to be better because through Stand Up Tragedy I knew amazing performers before I did Stand Up Tragedy I knew some good performers Uh, which is you know I don't want to diss anybody that I know but what I'm saying is that my ability to collaborate with people has has kind of levelled up through the process of doing Stand Up Tragedy, which never paid me any money, lost me money sometimes, uh, and, uh, you know, was always ironic to be paying other people to do the work and not paying myself. Um, But at the same time, it did lead to uh, great things down the line. Um, Although the family tree, again, it's the thing that that works when you get involved with the press. Here's a good example of of what happens with the press. Uh, We we sort of sent a press release out to CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, who have a a, a radio show called Podcast Playlist. Um, And we told them about the show, but they didn't fully understand that it was a fictional show. And so we we didn't understand that they didn't understand that. And we sent them clips and they kept saying, can you you edit it together into something a bit less kind of sounds like someone 
someone's talking in a room and we kept being like not really that's what the show's like we want to communicate it and they ended up they edited a little piece to present it and so it came across like it was trying to be the next serial and being about like some actual real mystery rather than the actual thing that it is which is a kind of magical realist drama I mean I'm not saying more than that but if you still believe it by the middle of season one and some people do uh, you're making a mistake like you shouldn't be like some people have come up to me after uh, watching the fam- uh, listening to the family tree some people have said to me that they, they, they went straight from listening to particular episodes into the park and tried to talk to trees expecting the trees to talk back to them uh, that's the level of delusion you have to have to believe it's real um, but of course CBC set up a load of people to have that delusion you know so we, we then had to deal with emails from you know people who were well one the one that I particularly remember was a blind person so they couldn't see the description so they only had the audio to go on and so it was perfectly reasonable for them to believe it was real uh, but it was very sad to, to be breaking the news uh, that this it wasn't real um, and so that's the thing you involve you, you kind of you think you're following your passion you think that everything's working right you're like yes I'm passionate about this so I'll put out send out press releases and get everyone to listen to it it's a double-edged sword you know just be be very cautious about how the press will turn it treat treat you another thing that happened with the family trees i ended up turning down uh working with audible uh which is a weird thing to say uh i i constantly question whether that was the best decision i've ever made or the worst decision i ever made but the reason i turned down working with audible was because they said we love your idea but we'd like to recast uh because we want famous names and at that point i'd already recorded some of the material with existing performers they developed their parts to say yes to audible might have been following my passion although it wouldn't have been because I loved those people's performances but it wouldn't have been respecting their passion it wouldn't have been respecting their work and so those are the kinds of decisions you often have to make when you're following your passion projects this session would have been uh, presented by two different people but my co-host followed her passion and reasonably uh, pulled out for various reasons which have improved this podcast festival it's a more diverse festival as a result of her actions but uh it does mean that you know she's not here she'll make a little bit less money as a result of that and uh she you know is missing out on meeting all of you people who you know are great people to meet out and meet me so the the thing is when you're like navigating your passion you often are navigating ethics a lot more than you expect to because you care when you care about something, you, you, you want to keep it safe. You want it to work. You want it to go the way you want it to go. Um, and so, yeah. And also, you, sometimes you have to say goodbye to your passions because you have too many. So when I made, started making The Family Tree, I had to put stand-up tragedy on ice because I couldn't do that and do The Family Tree and try to make money from a freelance career, which is hard to do in London, and that's why I'm moving to Lancaster on Monday. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you know that was all of the things and yeah that that was the one of the reasons that I'd gone freelance was so that I could follow my passions but actually going freelance is not the right way to follow your passions because you'll be constantly taken up with having to make money and following other people's passions and the other people will have no idea what they really want uh, but they'll be very passionate about it and so you'll be trying to fulfill someone else's passion and you sometimes think why don't you just learn how to make podcasts it's quite easy uh, stop trying to make me do what you want I can't 
just jump through your hoops. Um, but at the same time, I have to jump through those hoops. It's what pays my bills. Um, so, yeah, that is, is, has given me a different relationship with the things I'm passionate about. When I had a day job, yes, I was always exhausted and stressed out because I was trying to fit in work around work. But when I was doing the work, I was doing it. I was able to focus on it. I didn't have distractions, things like worries, anxieties. Going freelance has not been good for my mental health. So I would suggest that people should consider whether it's right for them when they do, when they do that. I used to have a day job. I used to be a library assistant. And then after that, I was an early years library outreach worker, which, is, as I mentioned earlier, involved me going in, sometimes hungover, to do stories and songs with children. Um, but that job got cut, you know, so that's why I went freelance. That was why I made that decision. And that's why I got to write a comment is free piece about my job being cut. But I would say, uh, again, uh, like when you get a successful moment, don't think it's a trend. Right. So I got a comment is free piece. I thought, oh, yeah, the, the door's going to be open now. Anytime I've got anything else to say, comment is free is going to be interested. No, they only wanted to hear about my traumatic experience of losing my job. They don't want to hear about my opinions about other things. So, you know, so be, be wary of that. Like every time you get the breakthrough, don't think of it as a breakthrough, uh, because if it is a breakthrough, you can look back at it later and go, what a great breakthrough I had. But if you think it's a breakthrough, it can be very disappointing. Um, but doing all that, working with children, my day job, something that I was passionate about, uh, le- led to me getting a side gig while I was doing my day job, working with the Ministry of Stories. I don't know if people know that organisation. They're a great uh, organisation that works with children in Hackney. They have a monster supply shop that you go through into the Ministry of Stories. It's a magical experience. Uh, and so I, I did a, a, um, some work with, uh, with them uh, for CBB's radio, uh, which was a great experience uh, wearing soft slippers running around trying to get children to speak close enough to the mic and not tread on them was uh, was fun uh, and I got to meet one of the people I was at the time very passionate about Jenny Murray um, who, who is the presenter of, of Women's Hour or was when I was growing up if people uh, if people are familiar with her and that was amazing to, to say like in the meeting at the beginning let's have Jenny Murray to be the chief of the Ministry of Stories and then for that to happen uh, so don't be afraid to say out loud the impossible things that you think won't happen because I said it at a meeting and it happened right so so when, if you're passionate about something say it out loud tell people what you're passionate about that's kind of what makes you have to do it because people hold you accountable or you hold yourself accountable to other people's perceived expectations of you it doesn't matter whatever makes you do it but like tell people about it put it out in the world and that's often where you can find collaborators and you know sometimes you'll end up working with Jenny Murray although when I worked with Jenny Murray I discovered that she does not like split infinitives it's okay for Star, Star Trek but it's not okay for my script um, so she corrected my grammar um, so sometimes you'll heroes will correct your grammar and you will have to deal with that um but jenny murray since then has done lots of things that has let me down a lot more than correct correcting my grammar so uh there we go uh don't meet your heroes uh but do try to work with them <laughs> difficult uh, thing to balance i don't think it's very possible uh, although i can say that jenny jenny murray did approve of me using the, the the phrase snow people rather than snowman so at least i got one 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 brownie point uh from that so yeah, going freelance, as I said, finances is a terrible thing. Mental health is a terrible thing when you do that. So don't necessarily have as your goal, I want my passions to 
provide me with money and provide me with good happiness. Those two things will not necessarily happen from your passions. So that's the, that's the, that's very much a thing I definitely want people to think about. Like a lot of people who are excited by this gold rush of podcasting of the the new amazing world that Serial has ushered in that all of us who are working for years and years before Serial uh, appreciate but feel a little bit ambivalent about at the same time. Uh, that kind of moment has meant there's a lot of people going into podcasts uh, looking to make it the thing that pays their bills and looking to make it the thing that will make them happy and away from their day jobs. And I would say be cautious of that because even if you get it it won't necessarily make you happy i know plenty of people who make money from podcasting who are not happy uh so be aware of that uh and i know plenty of people who make money from podcasting who even when they're quite big names it doesn't pay their bills so even making money will not necessarily uh solve your life um so yeah, less time, less money as well, right? So if you're freelance, you don't just have less money, you also have less time. So time is a resource and it's your most important resource. If you want to follow your passion, you have to give time to that. And if you don't give time to that, then, then you can't do it. And so you have to think about how to manage your time. Like it sucks. That's a very adult and annoying thing to have to do. But it is the only way that you can make your passions happen. Um, and yeah, as I said, I'm leaving London to, to, to have a situation where I can have the money that I make pay my rent, uh, but also to have more time, to have more space, to have less noise. Like thinking about our work-life balance is super important if we want to make passionate projects, if we want to make things that we put ourselves into. That's energy we're putting in that's emotions we're putting in that we need recovery time from that particularly if you do things that are really personal like I do you need to factor in recovery time you know you, you might tell a brilliant story on stage or, or tell a brilliant story on your podcast uh, and that might be a great episode and you might love it but you might then uh, experience like if your listeners then share their experiences and then you're you're stuck in this emotional place of like their experiences coming at you I mean I've heard Carrie Ad Lloyd who, who, who does the the grief cast uh, podcast talk about getting lots of people sending her emails about the dead people in their lives and that has, has made that a, a constant experience for her like all the time uh, that's her life now is in grief because uh, she was passionate about grief uh, so you have to think about the ramifications of being passionate for example I was passionate about tragedy Again, a very sad thing to get involved with, to have in your life, to live in your life. You know, that's why The Family Tree is not as sad a show as Stand Up Tragedy was. Because it's good to change. It's good to, if you have spent some time following one passion, think of a different passion that can give you some of the things that the first passion took away from you. Um, so, yeah, I'm successful enough uh, for people to ask me for free labour, but I'm not successful enough uh, to pay my bills. And that's what you can get to uh, if you follow your passions. And that is my tangential tour through my career. Right. So that's enough of my biography. Goodbye. Um, so, yeah. Oh, no, I've had a good idea. Uh, yes. As I said earlier on, when you think of an idea, uh, it's a great thing at the mo- in the moment. But uh, then you have to do it if it's a great idea that nobody else has done, or even if it is an idea that other people have done. Because as I was saying earlier on, the more specific we are, the more idiosyncratic we are, the more original our stuff is. So loads of people can make shows about films, but only you can make your show about films. 
So yeah, when the show that you want to listen to doesn't, doesn't exist, the only way to, to hear it is to make it yourself. And I can attest that although I've been saying a lot of negative things, there is something of, of, of sat, so satisfying when you do finally make the thing that you wanted to hear that isn't there. When you do finally get to have the podcast experience that you've always wanted and you made that. That is a great experience. So I don't want to turn you off passion uh, or podcasting. Um, even if it shows like the one that you really make exists, you doesn't mean yours won't be different, as I've touched on. Tell people your idea as it will help it to become a reality. That's, again, something I've touched on. It's good. I've like written these slides and then done them in my intro speech. Um, think big, but be happy with small. I really want to emphasise that. Like, as I said, say you want Jenny Murray. Say you want to do podcasting on the moon. Like, think big. That's fine. Have, be open to the potentiality of things becoming big, whether it's your creative idea becoming big or whether it's your audience be, becoming big. Be open to those ideas because if you're not open to them, you'll close things down. However, be prepared and comfortable with the idea of it not hitting big. There are lots of kinds of success. Um, not just the, the the obvious checklist that everyone has coming into podcasting now of like get adverts, get you know get support, get like a massive millions and millions of people for audiences, and then it's all great. Like there are other ways to be happy. There are other ways to make amazing podcasts, and podcasts are a niche thing as well as a a, a, a bigger thing. And you can if you find a wonderful supportive audience of your people and that's a hundred people that is success because one of the things I also think people need to think about with podcasting is think about live performance terms right if you get a hundred people listening to your podcast you'd never get a hundred people easily to a live performance like there's 30 people in this room now and this feels big right this feels like a nice room to do to do stuff to I don't feel like oh I haven't achieved my audience quota um and that's the way I think people should think about their podcasting if you do get like you know thousands and thousands of people listening then you're playing the O2 arena and that's great but also a res- you know more distant you know uh, also more responsibility also, if you fuck up at the O2 arena, everybody knows. So, you know, like, so there are, there are benefits to small. There are benefits to small audiences. There's, there are benefits to that. Uh, you may be surprised who will say yes uh, when you ask them for favours. Like, not just Jenny Murray. I didn't know her, so that was just, uh, I don't know how that really happened. But many times I've asked people I did sort of know or, or like, who have got, who are famous or who've got kind of profiles or whatever, and they've said yes. With the family tree, we don't just do uh, a fiction element to it. We have, kind of, it plays with fiction and reality. So there are interviews with real people. And all of those real people, like, no one said no to us like we were we were like we want to get a rabbi and a priest and uh an imam to come in and talk about a fictional reality and we achieved that like that happened uh we 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 wanted to to talk to the woman who makes how to be a girl the amazing podcast uh, about the experience of bringing up a trans girl uh and she said yes and we got to meet our hero and unlike jenny murray she was uh, exactly what i'd hoped her to be so sometimes meet your heroes sometimes they will be cool um so, like, yeah, don't be afraid to ask 
for people for the stuff. I feel like in the UK particularly, we've been conditioned not to ask as much. It's why crowdfunding is much harder to do in this country. Be aware of that. Uh, people are not as prepared to be asked in this country. But that doesn't mean that they won't say yes. Right? So do ask people for things. Because all they can, if they say no, what have you lost? You know, even if you're embarrassed for a day or a week, that's, embarrassment doesn't, there's no cost to that really, apart from a little bit of kind of feeling a bit icky but you can you can sit with your feelings as my therapist like to say and you know then that'll go away and you'll still be alive and you know you 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 know all that happened was you asked someone you admired and they said no it's not the it's not the high i mean i i would say that with everything like performance too like when people come to true storytelling events that i do you know i say what they, they feel like there's the highest stakes in the world to stand up on that stage and tell their story but there isn't like they'll they'll go away from that, and the people in the room will remember it, and that's all, you know. So 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 there there are lower stakes quite often than we think uh, in these things. So yeah, how to make the passion last? Uh, being open to your passions changing and developing. I mean, all of these things kind of work for relationships as well as for podcasting. I think, you know, being open to your passions changing and developing. Don't don't go. Oh, I've got to always make this show because I started it and I loved it. If you stop loving it, you stop feeling passionate about it, do another thing, you know? And, you can, and that, that often will, will result in brilliant things. Now, I wouldn't say that Answer Me This, that Helen went from Answer Me This to uh, The Illusionist going, oh, I hate Answer Me This. That's not exactly what happened, but she did go, I have passions in another area that I'm not exploring. How, what can that be? And then that unlocked elements of her herself, of her, of her as a creative, as an artist. I don't, don't think she described herself as an artist, but I do. Um, and yeah, so those unlocked those kinds of things within her. So, the, so be, be aware that you don't have to be locked, especially like sometimes what happens is someone becomes successful. And successful is, a, again, a double-edged sword. And so they think, I have to keep doing this thing that makes me successful. So, but then they stop loving it, and they stop doing it well, and it becomes a chore for them. And even if it carries on paying the bills, it's no longer a passion project. You've lost the passion at that point. Following other people with passion, like I say, listening to p- people's podcasts, following kind of the, the, like the white rabbit of people's passions, like, being, like having your ears open for when people are having an excited conversation rather than a bored conversation, you know? Like being aware of like where the energy is in rooms that you're in. Or like, and that's when things can like hit you, like ideas or, or like you know, collaborators. Those can often be the, the, the times when you, when you develop that. So be open uh, to follow... To, to other people's passions and and don't don't laugh at other people's passions as well right we don't want our passions to be laughed at respect other people's passions whether you like it or not like that i hate sport but i do not think that someone with a passion for sport uh is is meaningless and irrelevant i think they've got a passion and i love to hear them talking about that their passion one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is um the boy who hasn't lived which is a a great podcast uh where two people go go like are reading harry potter uh, a few chapters at a time one of them has never read it before one of them is their favorite book and you know they're 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 experiencing that together i hate harry potter i love that show because i love their passion and their passion is making me appreciate those books more uh even though i still don't rate them um so yeah like uh learning the skills that you don't have that's really important going into podcasting like you'll find that you don't know loads of things and that's okay you can learn them 
right? So if you're like, that's what I want to do, that is the thing I want to do, but you don't know how to do it, learn how to do it, um, if you can. And if you can't learn how to do it, then capitalise on that, right? You're, sometimes limitations are really useful for creative uh, situations, whether they're external limitations or internal ones. So with the family tree, we have made it like have a, a real life scout soundscape. We, you know, you can hear background sounds, all the stuff you're not supposed to do if you're making podcasts. But that makes the scenes more real. It makes them feel like they're more real because there are these things that you wouldn't have in a in a in behind you know behind these people talking in a drama. Uh, that would only happen by an independent podcaster making it. So we've made a. Feature of a thing of a limitation we don't have the resources to make professionally produced bbc quality radio drama so what can we do with the limitations and make how can we make that into a feature so go like what is you know what is it that you uh, can't do and then if it's something that you can make into a feature then do that you know and a lot of people you know in podcasting i would say do do that like uh, so again um listening to more podcasts will help you to see how other people do that embracing your limitations as i say like being like you know like like being honest about like what you're doing like if you say to people uh this bad sound quality in this episode but it's got great content don't make a big mouthful of it don't do it like a, a speech because then that will turn people off but if you casually say at the beginning of your podcast bad sound quality i'm aware but guess what there's this great stuff and maybe even take a clip of the great stuff and put it at the beginning so they know it's coming then that is 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 is, is honest and people will go with that they'll go i want to hear that cool thing uh, so i will do the work of listening to the listening to the slightly subpar sound quality Not Obviously learn, get better, make better sound quality next time. But don't be afraid of like just saying, I couldn't do it right. Like I didn't do it right. People like that. People like to hear other people struggling through life, right? Don't we? I think so. Um, yeah, making flaws into strengths and features. Schedule and structure your passion. If you want to make a podcast and you want it to have a regular output, which is the way to get an audience, you have to schedule your life. You have to be solid about it. You have to be like every Friday. Like I said earlier on, every Friday I'm doing Follow Fridays. Every Monday I'm editing my weekly show. On Wednesday, I'm, you know, you have to have that schedule. But when you're scheduling it, also think about how will best nourish this passion. So if you give yourself an unrealistic schedule, your passion will fade. You will stop caring about it and maybe you'll even stop making it. So you could do a daily podcast, but you probably wouldn't do it for long. Um... But if you go, right, well, what I have space for is to make a brilliant, passionate podcast that comes out every month or every two months or in um, a short season, then do that. Like, find out how that fits in your life. And then if that fits in your life, fine. Think, how can I change that to be, maybe I want to go weekly. How can I do that now I've had the experience of doing it on a slightly kind of lower level first? Um, should you collaborate? As I said earlier on, uh, collaboration will bring you conflict, but not collaborating will bring you loneliness. Like you will be, like many podcasters, and I am this podcaster in some of my projects, they do everything. They're recording, they're presenting, they're editing, they're getting the guests, they're doing the admin. So what you don't know necessarily about following your passion is it will result in lots of admin. Lots and lots of admin uh, emails, there will be spreadsheets, there will be all sorts of things that you don't want to have in your passion because it doesn't feel passionate. But it's necessary. It's necessary because 
if you don't do the boring admin, uh, then you won't be able to do the passion. Like you, you need to do to put the boring work in to make the passion uh, happen. Uh, success, as I mentioned earlier, is a nebulous concept. So find alternatives to the main narratives that are around success that work for you. What is success for you? You know, ask yourself that question. Write a list, you know, of what it is that would make you feel like you've succeeded. You might be surprised to discover it's not what you thought it was because we all are kind of following a set script about success and creativity and how that works um, and the, the way that we're supposed to progress in life. And just think what you like. Like, it might be that a tiny audience, like, yearly podcast is the perfect form of success for you. It might be the most passionate experience that you have in your life, making something that's listened to by five people. Now, would that be uh, successful or unsuccessful? If it's the most best experience you've had in your life, I'd say successful, even if only successful for five other people and you. So, you know, think about those kinds of things. Um, be aware that turning what you love into a job might result in hating what you love rather than loving. Uh, your job right because that's the thing like I went through a couple of years of absolutely hating sound editing I I like it again now Um, but there was years where I was just doing it everything I just had to get it done like I wasn't enjoying the creativity of it I was just like right I've got 10 hours I've got to get this done in 10 hours then I've got to get this next thing done and the things that I had loved at the beginning I stopped loving now you have to you have to you know, unlike some of the things I've been saying, you have to push through that like a stitch. You do have to go like, okay, I don't love it now, but I need to do it the same as the admin to get the show done. So like for a while, editing became like admin for me and now it's gone back to being a bit more passionate. But like, yeah, be aware of that dichotomy that happens with this stuff. Like we're all going like, yes, I want to give up my day job and do what I love. And it's so sad for so many of us when we do that. Um, because we're like, oh, everything that we loved is now a chore. Um, And looking after yourself and building in time to enjoy what you're doing is really important. I always say to people when I teach them how to do podcasting, like, you are your first audience member. And if you don't like what you're doing, then you're not doing something that works for that audience member of you, right? So you need to, like, build in time to actually smell the flowers, to listen to your own podcast. You know, not like the the listen you do before you put it out where you're checking if it's all good. The listen that you do six months later where you're like, oh, that thing I did was really good. I didn't know at the time because I was mostly just worried about getting it out at the right time and getting the things. And all I could remember was all the bad stuff I cut out. And I didn't remember that when I took that out, it would only be good stuff. Um, so you have to like build in time to appreciate your own products, to appreciate your own process, to kind of appreciate what podcast... You know, if you're here in this room, you have a passion for podcasting. And so it's like whatever made you into podcasts or what you've got to make time to, to do for your own podcast so you can nurture your own work and not just love other people's shows and hate your own, which... Many of us have had that, have phases where that is the way we experience it. And so try and work out ways to make you see what you're doing, to kind of list your achievements also. Like as much as I did a kind of uh, 
meandering version of my my personal history like of podcasts to start this um it's good sometimes for me to not do that meandering thing and just to like list the things that i've done and go like oh i'm not as much of a failure as possible it may be that when i arrive at the podcast festival they've run out of lanyards so i don't look like i'm professionally here um but that, that doesn't matter because i've done this and this and this and this and this and this and so that can that can offset that imposter syndrome that comes with all this stuff um Things to consider when you're making, when you're looking at your passion, and I should say, uh, if you haven't taken pictures of this or you want to, like, or write, written them down, uh, I can go back and skip back at the end and make sure you see things or whatever. Um, but, but that's, a, I've seen a few of you doing that. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I should have told people to do that at the beginning. So, uh, well done for following your passions of taking pictures of, of PowerPoint presentations, um, and your passion has inspired me uh, to share it with the rest of you. Um, so. Yeah, so things to consider when you're following your passion. Like, what do you want to do? Like, I know that sounds ridiculously obvious and simple, but it isn't, right? What do you actually want your, your piece to be? Like, what do you want it to achieve? Who do you want it to reach? Um, but, but not just who do you want it to reach, because people can think far too much in terms of demographics, I think. Um, and also, when they're thinking about demographics, they're not even thinking about demographics, because sometimes people are like, I want it to reach everyone. That's not thinking about who's your actual listener. Like, what kinds of things do they like? What are their life experiences like? Are they like you? Are they different from you? Those kind of things. Like, what do you want it to do? Like, how, what effects do you want it to have on people? Like, people, people, with podcasts, we always think, like, a lot of the time, we, we think we know what this, this thing is, this podcasting. But it isn't fully formed yet we're still actually pushing at the boundaries of what we can do with audio so there's so many new ideas that we can actually have you know back in the day everyone would have just gone i'm making a podcast two white men talking to each other for too long um whereas now you know there's radio dramas happening audio dramas sorry in the podcasting world there's you know there's 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 you know one of my favorite podcasts is where should we be begin with Esther Perel she's doing anonymous relationship counseling as a podcast like what did she want it to do i guess i'm speaking for her i don't know but i i i imagine from listening to the show she wanted to help people's relationships and to have a conversation that's wider than just those individuals and to touch the people who are listening and to to help them to to think of their own relationships that's not what people would often answer when they're given that initial question then she might have just if she was asked that question she might just say i want to reach a bigger audience but if she thought but if she was thinking properly about it that's the kind of things that that you get to and when you think that stuff through like that that can really help you to work out how to do it if you know why and, uh, and what you want. So, yeah, what can you do? As I say, what are your limitations? What can you achieve? Don't try and be, like, don't try and fly too close to the sun. There are far too many Icarus podcasts already, right? So, so think, what can you achieve in your everyday life with your own resources, right? How can you make those resources a, a feature rather than a bug, you know? I mean, one thing I, I do constantly say is we, we care so much about sound quality that we forget about the great stuff we can get with less good sound quality that might still be interesting but you have to think about how to package that and how to sell it because people initially they're not into bad sound quality or messy sound quality or whatever we want to call it so you have to think about how to make that into a sonic experience that gives people what they want um 
yeah, as I say, I've, I've gone into my, set, my next line there, sound quality, I've covered that. Uh, scheduling, as I said earlier on, I've put it on here, again, because it is so important. It is important to have a schedule, not just for your listeners, but for you. Cause, and, and a schedule with breaks. Go on holiday if you can afford it, and you, even if you can't afford it, have a holiday at home. <laughs> like, make sure you nourish yourself, because you're the main resource that you're bringing. And if you're... Uh, not nourishing yourself you can't be a good resource you'll be a a subpar presenter or a rubbish editor because you won't be you know at your full potential um yeah think about the length of your passion like people make long-form podcasts i make long-form podcasts and i am quite a big believer in long-form podcasts but if you make long-form podcasts people who don't like long-form podcasts will not be your audience accept that um but and and go yeah i'm making it for people who want to listen to long stuff similarly you know you can make short stuff and i would not listen to it because i have you know when i listen to stuff i'm doing things i want it to last for at least the length of the domestic chores or the commute um so i won't listen to the short stuff so think about the length of the episodes but also think about the length of how much you're going to be doing this passion you know it's not a bad thing to think of an end point to, to say, like, I will do this for this many months and then I will take stock and see what I want to do. Um, learning by making mistakes. We're afraid to make mistakes often in culture, but I think the best podcasters have done that. Now, we might live in a different time now where there's more pressure on podcasts as they're coming out because we've got this idea that they can go places. But at the same time, if I hadn't made that terrible podcast that I'm glad that I've removed from the internet, then I wouldn't have done any of the other things that I've done. And so I really think that, like, don't be afraid of your mistakes. Embrace them. Look back at them. Laugh about them. Uh, you know, but they're part of you. They're part of what makes you make the thing that isn't a mistake that comes next. Uh, learning by listening to others, as I said, listening to other podcasts, but also listening to people who give you feedback. You know, sometimes criticism is a good thing. Like I don't always take criticism well, but I've tried to learn in my life to take it better because actually that's the only way I can take, a, take the temperature of what my work is doing is to find out what other people think. But I also only listen to constructive criticism. If someone's giving you unconstructive criticism, ignore it. It is not useful. It is not going to help you make a good show. If they don't like your show, that's fine. Not everybody has to like your show. But when people do like your show, when they're all so passionate about your topic or what you're doing, then they're the ones to listen to. They're the ones to listen to when they say, I didn't like how this bit worked. So, so choose who to listen to. Don't just listen to anyone. And there's certainly a lot of people out there in the world of podcasting who will tell you, I can make you rich in five days. Listen to all of the things that you should do. Don't listen to those people. But listen to, to people who've made mistakes and uh, are willing to admit it. They're the ones to trust. Uh, although, you know, that sounds like I'm telling you to trust me, but there's plenty of other people to trust. You don't have to trust me. Um, yeah, planning and editing. I always say that the work has to happen somewhere. So if you don't edit your podcast, you need to do a load of prep. Uh, in advance for that passion to be what you imagine it to be uh, you have to do the work in advance or there's another way you can do the work which is you can spend you know 10 years of your life developing performance skills improvisation skills and then you can just turn up at a thing and apparently do it in one go and and it's just sprung from Zeus's head fully formed like Athena but it isn't uh, like it isn't that they've done the work so you and the other way you can do the work is have completely kind of 
a shambolic recording, um, but then spend uh, days and years of your life making it good. Uh, you can do that, but like I say, sometimes you'll still want to delete that, that project from the internet uh, because it was rubbish. So, you know, be, be cautious, but think about how the work has to happen. Podcasting is not a, a simple thing to do. It's not a get-rich-quick uh, approach. It is something where work has to happen. Uh, passion always requires work to make it communicated to other people you know if you're passionate about your partner even the only way that they will know if you're passionate about them is for you to do the work and communicate that and as we know there's loads of ways to communicate that work you can tell them out loud that you love them you can show them that that you love them in other ways but the work has to happen um so you know it's the same in relationships same with art i think on podcasts and the passions can go in both directions uh, an imagined audience that you're, who are listening to, and as I said, you are also an audience member, but that imagined audience that you're, you're imagining, they're also imagining you. Um, and so that is a complicated thing that you have to be aware of, that you, once you make yourself when the product... Uh, you are then going to have things projected on you. If you're a woman, you're going to get loads of misogyny, uh, potentially, if you hit the big time. I mean, that's another way that hitting success can be disappointing. Um, if you are you know, a person of colour, you're going to experience loads of racism. But there's also other things that people imagining you will do. You know, they'll think they know you. And that can be quite scary when you come into people, uh, come into contact with people in situations where they think that they know you, but you're just trying to buy a coffee, uh, you know, however it works out. So we have to be kind of aware of that. And as I said earlier on, constructive criticism is great, but destructive criticism is terrible. And people will throw it at you, particularly your friends who don't listen to podcasts. They don't know anything about podcasts, but they'll listen to your podcast and tell you everything that you're doing wrong and what they think needs to be changed about it because they don't know what the medium is. You know, they're the equivalent of someone going, oh, you know, these kind of uh, long form TV shows where people just keep on watching them. Oh, I need to make them shorter and, and not able to be accessed on Netflix. They were better when they were weekly. Those are people who don't understand what the medium of television has become, giving you advice about television. You will get that with podcasts. Everyone thinks they know what podcasts are and everyone will have opinions. But, no, but if they don't listen to podcasts, don't listen to them. Like, listen to people who care about the thing that you make. They're the ones you're making it for. Um, and so parasocial relationships is what I was referring to um, about the dodgy way that, 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 that it can go. So a parasocial, this is from Wikipedia at the top, uh, Parasocial relationships are a one-sided relationships where one person extends emotional energy, interest and time and the other party, the persona, is completely aware of the other, unaware of the other person's existence. So this uh, is a YouTube video about parasocial experiences that I recommend. It's very long because um, it's a long-form YouTube video which has probably got the amount of people complaining about it that long-form podcasts do. Um, but it is worth your time. I think it's a really interesting uh, piece of work that the, the, the woman who made it uh, that's her that's her screen name I can't remember what her personal name is um, or her government name is um, but that is a great video to watch I would recommend watching it and it's worth thinking about going in like if you're constructing your passion to put yourself in a position where people will see you or hear you you need to think about what that might do to you and what that might do in the, their, your relationship with them and we like to think of podcasts as a very personal medium and it really is personal works great 
in podcasting. And I am one of many people with loads of parasocial relationships. You know, I think I, I feel like I'm friends with loads of people that I listen to every week. And I'm sure many of us do. And that's okay. That's healthy. But it's when we step over those lines and like kind of d- treat them as like they're not a fully rounded person or forget that they're a, like, that they have dimensions that they're not sharing with us. And as much as we can do that to other people, and most of us will, they can do it to us. So be aware that when you're doing things in public, it has ramifications. And that goes for loads of things. Like if you're doing a, 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 a podcast where you get drunk with your friends and talk about the times that you took drugs and, 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 and had kind of uh, whatever like criminal activities went down, uh, d- don't do that and expect that not to get back to your workplace and for you to lose your job. Like, that can happen. When I worked for the council, I kept those stories off my podcast. Uh, now uh, I'm a freelancer the benefit is I can ruin my future employment prospects by talking all about it all now and then giving up in five years and going oh no now I can't get any jobs but be be aware of that stuff like you're not doing it in a vacuum the internet is pretty much forever and it goes to everybody potentially so as much as you might put your podcast out and be frustrated that nobody ever listens to it and and that can definitely happen you can think you're saying something to the world because it's on the internet and no one will pay any attention conversely people might be paying attention that can be bad you bad mouth your friends they might hear you know you tell your personal anecdote about the time that your partner did something that you thought was bad and annoying and you say it in a really worse way than you ever would have said uh, to them in your life you might get a divorce you know you got to be you got to be cautious about that relationship between what you're doing what your passions are and what other people will see those passions as so keep all of that in mind Selling out is really hard to do. Um, I'd love to sell out. I've been trying to sell out for years, uh, and I have not so far sold out uh, to, my, to my standards of selling out anyway that I would like to achieve. But then at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, what is selling out? So many of us are afraid that we're selling out. If, if you kind of, like me, have been influenced like by punk or whatever, where people were like, you know, don't sell out, don't go become part of the mainstream... But actually, the only way you properly sell out is by swapping your creative control for somebody else's. So when, when you do that, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, I think that is a perfectly legitimate way of getting your bills paid. But you have to understand that if you do give somebody else the creative control over your work, that's when you might you lose control of your own passion. So if it's something you're passionate about, don't sell it. Don't sell your creative control, or you won't be able to, to keep the reins of what you're doing. Um, But if you're not selling your creative control, if you keep your creative control, then you're not selling out, right? So if someone who wants to pay you loads of money to do something that you love doing, take that opportunity. You are not letting yourself down. You are not selling out in those kinds of terms uh, that people think about it. Selling out won't necessarily make you any money. I've, as I say, tried to sell out. I've, I've, I've done that as loads of times. Um, but it doesn't mean that they will sell. You can give somebody else control of your work and they might not be able to sell it. So be cautious about who you give that, that power to. Um, you know, taking calculated risks, though, I think is wise. Like, it's right to go, well, I want a bit of money, so I will give a little bit of this. You know, like, weigh it up. Think about it. But... Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to to give some of your control away because actually sometimes that can make your passion better. Sometimes editors are great. 
Like, uh, in, you know, if sometimes you get notes back from someone that will be brilliant. Sometimes, even when it's bad, actually, even when you get bad notes. So, for example, when I did the CBB show that I referred to earlier on, um, one of the notes that we would get back from the BBC, they were ridiculous notes because we were making it like it was primary school kids making these stories for the under fives. Um, and so the, the primary school kids would do stuff like make stories about monsters. And people would say, uh, the BBC would say monsters are too scary for the kids and we'd be like the Gruffalo is the biggest book for the under fives and that's a monster but the BBC didn't care so those are the kinds of notes you might get back but for example one note I got was you can't have somebody Jenny Murray in fact was the character the character that Jenny Murray was playing I had her um uh, blowing up all of the balloons in the world that exist and then popping them to see if they worked properly. Um, and the BBC said, you can't do that. Health and safety reasons, you can't encourage the under fives to play with balloons, which I think is a ridiculous note. But it led to me changing the script to, to her blowing bubbles and popping them to see if they work properly, which I actually think is better. That is a better, more poetic, more beautiful and more relatable to children. Like bubbles are actually something that the under fives experience a little bit more in my experience than balloons. So it's actually you know, made that work better because of the bad note. So don't be afraid of, 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 of giving your kind of creative, of negotiating your creative control. It won't necessarily kill your passion, um, but you've got to be careful because it might. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll have a passion for admin, uh, which is impossible to avoid in this, in this game that we're all in. I promise you, you can't avoid it. And if you're even more lucky, you'll have a passion for monetization, um, which is incredibly hard to do to your podcast. But if you've got a passion for those things, go with those passions, you know, be your best selves, and then tell me how to bloody do it. <laughs> and often work will come from your passions. So... You might not make any money. I, as I said, I've, I've just lost the £5 a month that I was getting for getting better acquainted. But I wouldn't have got any paid work as a freelancer if I hadn't have made that project. Because that's my calling card. And that's what people look at. And, you know, that's why I got all of the work that I get. So, uh, so don't be afraid to do the things that don't pay. Because sometimes things that pay will come from that. But also don't be afraid to do the things that don't pay. Because... Payment is not the only way to enjoy life. There are other things we can get. Like not the, the you know, you can be paid by other things than money, is what I'm saying. Um, so be, be open to that, but also be cautious of people who want you to work for free. Um, I mean, I understand that everything I'm saying is very contradictory. That's what passion is. It's a contradictory thing uh, that we follow at our peril, um, but also to our great... Uh, enrichment. So there's a qu qu quote from one of the few kind of uh, straight white guys uh, that are worth listening to, in my view. Uh, this is a quote from Kurt Vonnegut, who says, uh, go into the arts. I'm not kidding. The arts are not a way to make a living. They are a very human way of making life more bearable. Practicing an art, no matter how well or badly, is a way to make your soul grow, for heaven's sake. Sing in the shower, dance to the radio, tell stories, write a poem to a friend, even a lousy poem. Do it as well as you possibly can. You'll get an enormous reward because you will have created something. And that's what I would say. I mean, insert the word podcasts or podcasting for the arts, although podcasting is an art, so that's fine. Um, but that's the thing. The, that's what I mean when there are other ways to be paid from what you do. You know, there is nothing better than getting the edit 
right. <laughs> like the specific edit you've been spending hours to get right and you get it right. Like that is worth more to me sometimes than any of the money that I ever been paid, which is not a substantial amount of money. So that's obviously not necessarily the right uh, amount to, to kind of compare it to. But I have got so much pleasure and positive experiences and not just experiences, but friends. I have made so many friends since 20, 2008 it's weird to say that, that in 2008. Um, since then, I have made so many friends. I have had so many conversations that I never would have had, and not all of them have been on microphone. Like, some of them have been off mic. I do sometimes live off mic, even if mostly not. Um, so, yeah, uh, that is kind of... Let's see what that's... Wow, we have amazingly 10 minutes for, 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 for to open up the discussion to questions, I think, because um, it's supposed to be an hour and a half. And I've gone on for... You know, I'm a, pod- a long-form podcaster, guys. Uh, that's, that's how it works. I can talk. Um, so, yeah, does anybody have any questions or thoughts or expressions of any kind? Yeah. I'm interested in figuring out whether sometimes losing your own passion is okay if you've helped kindle it in someone kind of down the chain. I'll give you an example. Um, at university, I, I had a passion about going to foreign service, but I ended up becoming a DJ. That then took me to club DJing, where I was very successful, but I was too embarrassed to dance in my own clubs because people would say, well, you're a shit dancer. <laughs> and also, they'd say, look who he's talking to, we'll tell his wife. Having become a DJ, I then got into community radio where I trained people to become DJs. After that, I got into commercial radio, following the clock and keeping my bosses happy and being quite successful, but ended up having to choose who to keep and who to fire, DJs who were passionate, just like I was, who were coming into it. And I got so tired of that, I got out of the industry picked up and became podcasting. That became my thing. But then I didn't have time to make my own podcast, so I podfaded because people were paying me to make theirs. Right, podfade, for people who haven't heard that phrase, is a podcast that stops having episodes and fades. Very sad place for podcasts to go. Um, So now what I do is I make corporate podcasts. I work in the city and I make podcasts for big corporations. And now the editing, which I love to do, my editing team's in New York. I can't do the editing I love. But what I am doing is helping other people get the opportunity to do the stuff that I used to like. Yeah. At the same time, coming to a weekend like this, I think, thank God for it, because you reminded me, I'm going to re- resurrect the podcast, blaming you. <laughs> yeah, good. Right. I'm, I, I, that, I'm very black, glad to be blamed for people following their passion. It's tough to figure out that the best people to probably get drunk with are probably podcasters on a Saturday evening. Some other question is, where's the after party? Well, there'll be people definitely all around, and we'll be up in the rotunda... Uh, bar probably or maybe not it's very noisy in there I don't like it like, maybe we'll, we'll go out and have a like more social like actually being able to hear people background sound can be annoying even in when you're not they recording down, not to the I'm talking about but they trickle down and say well I don't have the opportunity to do right. things I'm passionate about but other people I think it's a great point that. But that, that makes things the right sort of doesn't it yeah I think that's a great point you know if, if you're passionate about something and you put that passion out into the world it's never wasted uh, like it's it's that's never a wasted thing and when I was talking about following other people's passions yeah share your passions and help other people to follow their passions and it's and you can be passionate about 
helping people to follow their passions. There's this kind of unnecessary phrase people use about teaching, like those who can't teach or whatever, like sometimes people say. But in fact, that's not what teachers are. Teachers are people who are passionate about things, who are sharing that passion, or the best teachers, the ones that changed your life rather than bullied you. Uh, the, those teachers are the ones who will be like sharing their passion and that will inspire it in other people. And that is valid and important and part of the process. Passion is just a thing we're sharing around you know, between each of us. Like, I hope that the stuff I say today, you know, goes to you, but then you take that and do whatever amazing things with that and you share that with other people and it all just gets spread around. So, yeah, that's a lovely uh, way to think about it, yeah. Did anybody else have anything that they wanted to say? Yeah? Um, this is the tiniest thing. The, the jacket that you were wearing in the first... Oh, is it the same one you're wearing? Uh, yeah, yeah, the one where I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought, I, I think I got this from a charity shop when I just went freelance four years ago, so yeah. yeah another thing I really wanted to say is that when you talk about being both authentic and specific, that seemed to me that that's, that's where it is. Yeah, that's definitely where it is. And, and you know, if I'd have been allowed to, to, to title my own talk, then maybe I would have focused more on a, a, other things like that. Because um, there, are, there are so many things that I think podcasters can learn from the process of true storytelling doesn't matter what kind of show you're doing actually like and there are true storytelling nights out there spark uh, is still in london there are all, there are other nights as well so if you're doing things in front of a mic and you want to follow that passion get in front of a mic on stage and see how that goes because it's low stakes even though it feels high uh, and you can you know you can learn how to be specific and, and actually that's another thing when people tell a story they often say my story's really short, it won't fill five minutes, which is how long they're supposed to be. Whenever anyone says that, it'll be a seven-minute story. Because when they get up, they'll be like, oh, I've got to explain that and that and that. I've got to explain all the specifics. And that's where the story grows and that's where the story comes from. And you know, they're very similar to me who started this uh, talk thinking, oh, yeah, it'll be half an hour and then we'll have an hour of questions, uh, only to discover that they've gone longer than they expected to. So, yeah, is, any, is anybody else? What did you want to call your talk? Um, I wanted to do a, a talk on the possibilities of podcasting. I wanted to talk about what podcasts could be uh, rather than some of the things that they're becoming. I like what... I like all possibilities. I want all possibilities to be open. And I feel like we're closing down certain doors as, uh, as norms form, as industry forms, as businesses form. That closes doors as well as, as, well as opens them. And, and I want us to think about the doors we're closing and, and wonder about whether we should open some of them. So that's what I would have done. Uh, but thanks, thanks for that question. It's great, great to be able to give that thesis without uh, officially doing it. That's good. I feel quite naughty for that. What, what are the doors that you think have closed and which are the ones you would like to open? Okay, so I think, I think for, for a start, I think sound quality is, a, is becoming a door that is being closed. So because we're aspiring to radio crisp sound quality, we are losing the benefits of having DIY stuff made by people in weird locations which is kind of what I do so of course I have a self-interest in not liking that door being closed Uh, why did my five five pounds stop coming because that door got closed maybe Um, but like uh, yeah that's one of the main things and also I think we learn how to listen or to view art right we don't we don't come to it fully formed so when podcasting was earlier in its development we had an opportunity to relearn how to listen we had an opportunity to train our ears to not expect 
Radio 4 style sound quality. And then we could have learned to listen to different things. But as Serial has been so successful and the big things are all high quality sound, then it means that people coming new come in with expectations and rather than open ears and minds to like learn how things sound but I, I generally think weird stuff experimental stuff messy stuff DIY stuff those are the kinds of things we're losing even as brilliant things happen I mean I'm glad that there's like more variations and more I'm so glad that there are more people who are not like me who are making podcasts like it's so great to see women and people of color and uh, queer communities and all of the people who Podcasting should have been for because it was DIY and anyone can do it, but it wasn't because of, I don't know, white supremacy and uh, patriarchy. But anyway, whatever the things are, um, it's great to see those doors being opened. But I also think as those doors are being opened, even those communities are opening them with this expectation of, of having a certain kind of sound quality or a certain kind of shape to their episodes because that will sell and that will get them audiences. And that means that we're still not hearing from the least heard voices because the least heard voices are people with less resources, with less like good sound quality equipment. With like, you know, so, so there's a financial element to all of this that people without resources, whether it be time, whether it be money, they can't make podcasts if the audiences don't want to hear the kind of podcast that they would be able to make. So I don't want us to close those doors because I want to hear as many kinds of podcasts as possible. Um, so that's why I'm sad that some doors may get closed yet. Speaking of DIY and you make this thing and you know, you're beginning, you just want to put it out there, can you just put it on SoundCloud and yeah. link? You can, you can. I mean, DIY, like, you can, you can literally make a podcast on your iPhone, like, with, like, all your other phones are available, but, you know, you can make it on a phone, um, and you can upload it directly to one of the free, I mean, SoundCloud isn't free to, to, to use, it's like eight quid a month or eight euros a month. Um, Libsyn, I would recommend over SoundCloud, because SoundCloud is in perpetual danger of losing all of its money and going kaput so steer clear of SoundCloud unless they're, unless they're sponsoring this event in which case pro um, but, 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 but yeah you, you, there are free, free sites out there so you can, with no resources you can make a podcast you can put it out you can learn you can find an audience uh, Libsyn L-I-B-S-Y-N yeah so there, are, there aren't barriers but there are becoming them as we become normalised uh, norms and stuff yes um, this is more of one view, hypothetically. If somebody was to give you two million pounds tomorrow but said you can never be involved with in podcasting again, do you take it? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, it's complicated because I have a portfolio career. So I, if I took two million pounds to not make another podcast, I could still make loads of different like theatre shows with that two million pounds or like write some books or whatever with that two million pounds. So it's not necessarily like so I wouldn't take two million pounds off someone who said you, you can never make any art again. You can never create again. I would not take that deal. If it was specifically one of the mediums I work in, maybe it's a bit more of a complicated question. <laughs> And certainly, you know, you can, you can do, you know, 
ethically I could do a lot with like I could do you know even not for myself with two million pounds I could do stuff that would be useful for the more maybe more useful for the, for the world than my podcast so you know I guess there's, there's another moral element to that but that's a great question and something to ask yourself like one of the ways you know I because I, a good example of this I always think about is my partner's a writer like a, a, a writer writer words on a page writer um as a general rule although she co-produces my uh, the family tree with me but when she was at university she wanted you know she wanted to give up writing she thought she was a terrible writer and so what did she do she wrote to exp- to express that experience um and then at the end of having written it she's like oh no i am a writer because i've written uh and i think that's the thing if you can't not do the thing then then, then like, like that then you have to do it and that's what kind of passion projects are about. So if there's something that you're like, I, I have no choice, but I have to do this. It's just something in me compels me to do it. Um, and so if you don't have that, then maybe that's not your passion. So like, if you ask yourself that very question, if someone gave me two million pounds, would I not do this pro- project? Then, and the answer is, you know, I'll take the money. Then find a different project that, that, does make, that makes you want to turn down two million pounds. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Yeah. You just raised one uh, little issue that I've thought about, uh, about whether you, you should script or not script a podcast. I mean, ah. a lot of the ones that sound unscripted are, in fact, quite scripted, aren't they? I think they, they're just the presenters are very skilled at sounding like that. There's a bit of truth in that. Yeah. There's also, I mean, there are unscripted podcasts, there are unscripted intros that sound like they're scripted. Right. Um, so it can go both ways. Yeah. Um, to script or not to script depends on what. Like, what is right for that project? Right. What is right for that passion? And also, what is right for you? Like, those, there's, there is no right way or wrong way to do this. We're literally inventing a new medium as we go along. Like, it, yes, it's, it draws from radio, but it functions in a different way. It, it, you know, we, we listen to it in, in earphones. We listen to it when we want. It's on demand. There are th- qualities that make it a new medium. Because of that, there are no rules yet. People are making those rules. They're, they're, they're making the norms. They're going, there are rules now, and I can teach you those rules. They're wrong. They don't exist yet. Like, there is still time to develop it. Film where it started out silent. And now it's colour, it's got sound, all of those things. It's still film. Um, like, if people are going, oh, well, silent film, black and white, that has to be forever the medium, we wouldn't have, you know, great films. So, you know, think about podcasting like that. What, it, what is right for you? What is right for the project that you're doing? What is right for your life? Like, it might be you can't fit in the time to script, but you can fit in the time to improvise. So improvise, uh, you know? Like, th- so, you know, those are the kinds of considerations you've got to make. But there are no rules yet. Make your own rules, though, because if you have no rules, that's actually terrifying. <laughs> like, that is the thing. Like, no limitations means, like, how, the, how do you do it? But luckily, uh, there aren't rules, but there are limitations because we all have our lives and we all have, you know, our knowledge bases and what we know already and what we can learn, what the Internet can do and can't do. So all of those things are the limitations that will help us to make our passion work. But definitely don't think in, like, well, that, that's how I should do it because that person does it. Don't think that way. Think, learn from what they do. They might have a great way of doing it that might be your way. Uh, so do pay attention, but don't think I have to do it scripted or not scripted. You know, you might not even have narrations. You might not have, you know, scripted or not scripted might not even be relevant to what you make with your podcast. It might be completely musical or whatever. Like there are, 
Like, there are lots of boundaries we are not pushing at the moment in podcasting, so don't be afraid to push them. Yeah. Okay, I was just going to ask, um, when you feel like you've got loads of different passions and don't know which one to follow, yeah. what advice would you give? Uh, I mean, that's the eternal question yeah. I have, right? It's like I do have so yeah. many passions, it is hard to fit them all in. Um, uh, I don't know what the advice is to, for that, really, apart from, like, try not to have nervous breakdowns yeah. too often. <laughs> like, you know, like self-care I guess is what I was kind of referring to earlier on make sure you build that time in yourself but also I think too often people feel wrong like we need to pick a medium or we need to pick a project we don't we can be we can do all of the things that we want to do it's fine like maybe they'll all be a little bit less good because we're spreading our but so what we can do that they'll just be a little bit less good doesn't mean that they're not valid it doesn't mean that they're not good in in their own way um, but you know, yeah, like it's 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 tough having lots of passions. That is not like people think that's great, but it's actually a that is a poison chalice. If you're you know sitting there thinking, well, I've only got this one passion. It's the only thing I'm passionate about, and that's why I'm here to learn about passion. You're the luckiest people in the room. Like if you've got one thing that you really want to do, and you know what it is, and you conceptualize it so well, and and there's nothing else that's tempting you from one of the other sides. Great, that's a resource. Use that. That'll be brilliant. Um, but for those of us who are conflicted and have too many passions, and not just podcasting, you know, maybe life, you know, maybe you know, our partners or like, you know, free to like leisure activities, those kind of things. Um, those, you know, those are conflicting passions, and you just have to find the balance that works for you. And it probably won't work for you because life's a kind of constantly evolving process. So you'll have to change it when it when it stops working uh, and find a new way of doing it. Yeah. So I th- are, we, are, we all, are we all done with the participatory element that wasn't that long? Of a, so I'm, I apologise for not giving you more uh, space within this to talk about your passions and what you do. Um, it was not my intent, but it was my effect, and so that's the way it goes. Uh, thank you all for coming. Uh, I hope you had a great time. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know, just because you've clapped, I haven't left the room, so, like, you know, obviously... You can ask me questions uh, after the event is over. If you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people, if you go to the Unbound website, and there'll be a link to this in the show notes, you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book. Unbound is a kind of cross between a publishing company and a crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books they can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering you can find all of that stuff over on mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk if you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship check out my essay series down to a sunless sea memories of my dad as well as making getting better acquainted i also co-produce and i guess star in the magical realist audio drama podcast the family tree in order to keep making it and to make season two as good as we want it to be we need your help so if you can afford to then please do consider signing up to our patreon appeal you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at 
GBA podcast. You can find it on Facebook at Getting Better Acquainted and you can find it anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. And if you want to email me personally, that's gbapodcast at gmail.com or I'm goosefat101 on Twitter. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>